0: All right, well, Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Perry Sound, why don't you uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if, if you throw your hand up, we'd love to get a Bible into your hands. If you forgot your Bible, if, if you just didn't bring a Bible this morning, and I'd love to be able to follow along as we, as we dig into Luke chapter 15. If you don't own a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up. Grab one of these as our gift to you. Turn to Luke chapter 15. As we we dig into this passage this morning, um, in in first century Israel, where where this is all taking place, everything in your life in the first century in this part of the world centered around honor. You, you did everything you could to achieve honor, to, to keep honor. You, you worked hard at doing the right things, at saying the right things. And, and, and in fact, the, the whole basis of the culture and the religion of that time was this, this honor. You earned favor and honor with other people by doing the right things. You earned your favor even with God, it seemed, by being religious, by, by doing everything right by the book. And and so you worked so hard trying not to do anything that would bring you shame. And, and, and the, the ones who are the leaders of the religious idea of this, of work hard, do everything you can, buy the book so you don't bring any shame, so you can be an honored person were the Pharisees. They, they were kind of the honor police. Right? They decided what was shameful and what was honorable, and they made sure you knew it. And, and they had decided that Jesus for sure was not honorable. They looked at Jesus and they said, no, no, this guy's shameful. There's no way he's the Messiah. There's no way he is who he claims to be. He claims to be God. There's no way he's God the Son. And why would they say that? They, they pointed to a lot of things, but one they mostly always pointed to, they do so here again in Luke 15, where they say, look who he hangs out with. Verse 1 of fifteen, It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, to Jesus. The, the riffraff, the, the, the ones who are the most shameful. Jesus attracted the worst of society. The, the outcasts, the nobodies, the lowlifes, those who have been excommunicated from this religious system created by these Pharisees. The, the ones who were socially untouchable. The ones who the Pharisees wouldn't even go near them for fear they would be shamed by being polluted by these people, and these people love Jesus. Verse 2 says, The Pharisees and scribes, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. He hangs out with them. He eats with them. He welcomes them. He cares about them. This guy likes those people. So the Pharisees' only conclusion would be, if that's true, then you're not honorable. You are shameful. You must not be God the Son as you claim to be. So Jesus says, hey, let me tell you some stories. And Luke 15, he he lays out these three stories as a way to defend what they're saying. It's a way to say, hey, hey, you guys think you know who God is. Let me tell you who God really is like. And as he's surrounded by these so-called sinners these who are broken and shameful and rebellious. And, and he says, hey, listen, I'm here because I'm like, he tells the first story, I'm like a shepherd going after the lost sheep. Or the second story, they're like lost coins and, and I'm like the, the peasant woman. I'm, I'm looking for them to find them. And then he tells the third story, the most famous of all the stories that he's told, probably in the story of the prodigal son. He goes, they're like the lost prodigal son who the father runs to and hugs and kisses and welcomes home. Because they're lost but now found. And last week, we, we talked about that younger son, the, the one we call the prodigal son, the one who said to his dad, hey, listen, dad, I'd rather have your stuff than you. Give me my inheritance. Give me what's coming to me when, when you're dead. Really what he's saying is, dad, I wish you were dead because I would rather have your stuff than to be around you. So he, he takes the money. He blows all of it on this, this high roller lifestyle. He, he ends up in a pigsty eating slop in a foreign country. He comes to his senses and says, why am I doing this? Why have I sinned like this? He's. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to fall on my knees before my father to tell him I've sinned before heaven and before you and I'm going to beg for my father's forgiveness. But remember, as we were reading, as the story's told, while he was a long way off, the father saw him, ran to him, and didn't even let him get out his speech. He just hugged him, kissed him, put the best clothes on him, threw a a party for him. Why? Because his lost son had come home. And so we pick up the story in verse 25. It says this, Now the older son was in the field, and as he, came near, sorry, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So we haven't met this son yet. We were introduced kind of to him when Jesus first started telling this story because he said there was a father with two sons. Two sons, we have only heard about the one. Well, now here's the second son. The older brother, he's been out in a field, probably working hard. It's now close to dark. He hears this party. He hears, he hears music and, and laughing. and I mean, this guy, his dad was rich. So the music, I mean, he would have had a killer sound system pumping up bass out of his home. This big, buff, 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 what's going on there? And he hears people laughing and dancing. He smells barbecue, grilling up these, these amazing steaks. Verse 26, he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. Now it's here in the midst of the story, us hearing the story, we're thinking, man, it's just getting better and better. Man, this must be the time where the older brother hears about his little brother finally coming home. The one that he thought had been lost forever. The one he thought, man, he must be in rehab somewhere or dead in an alley. And now he hears that he's come home. He's back, he's humbled himself with repentance and and his dad's welcomed him back with mercy and grace and he's given him the best robe and a ring and sandals and he's throwing a party to celebrate and and you're almost waiting for Jesus to say, the older brother ran and burst into the home, bursted open the doors and the the party stopped, the record player (laughs) would scream, it's a record player because it's back in first century, right? That would be the technology. (laughs) And, And everybody would have stopped. And the, the party would have would kind of parted in two, and you could just see the movie of this, right? And at the one end, there's the, the younger brother, and he looks haggard from his the lifestyle choices, but he's back, and the older brother sees him, and he starts to cry, and he runs to him and he hugs his little brother, and the dad now sees this, and his dad bursts into tears, and the three of them hugging together, and the music starts up again. The party takes a whole new level that's not even close to what happens. It's it's what should have happened. Listen, every time a sinner comes home, whenever somebody humbly lays their heart and soul bare before the Lord, says, here's my sin. Heaven's partying. Jesus said in verse 7 and verse 10 that that heaven throws a party. It's, It's what our churches should look like. It's what our homes should look like when somebody humbly repents. That's not what's in the heart of the older brother. See, see what's in the heart of the older brother is, is, is he's offended by the grace he sees. See, if we're doing grace right, if, if we're a church that's really living out grace right, we, we should be offending religious people. If you're really doing grace right, you should have some religious people in your life going, what? What? I mean, that person deserves some more time in jail, man. You can't just welcome them back. You can't just love them because they're broken and looking for forgiveness. There's an offensiveness to grace, and this brother was offended. What I want us to see this morning as we unpack this older brother's reaction is for us to ask this question. Do do I have any evidence of the older brother in my heart? I think a lot of us, most of us have, have at least a little Pharisee living in our heart that comes out every once in a while. So so, so, so the question this morning is, is, where is that? What's it look like in my heart? Do I have the older brother in my heart? Am I offended by grace? How would I know if I am? I think the first way you would see it is you would have anger in your heart. You would see anger in your heart. Verse 28 says this, When he heard about his brother back safe and sound, the party's for him. It says, but he was angry and refused to go in. He's angry. What's this guy's problem? The father was the one shamed by the son's actions. The father lost a third of his estate to this son, which is wasted money. And, and more than just stuff, in verse 12, it says that when he, he divided up his property to give to his younger son, that, that word property can be translated, he divided up his life. And the father took his life and said, okay, I'm going to give this to you. But this older brother, he's the one who's angry. So angry, he refuses to go in and celebrate. He won't even go into the house. So what happens? Verse 28 says, he wouldn't go in. His father came out and entreated him. His father comes out to to beg him, to plead with him. Think about that. The father ran to the younger son. God seeks after the lost sheep, the lost coin. And here he comes after the older son. He's seeking both lost sons. He says, come on in. Come join the celebration. You have to understand what's going on here culturally. The oldest brother, he would have been the firstborn, so he was the one who would have been in charge of any celebrations. He should have been the one throwing the party. This party that was honoring the family, this party that was in honor of this loving, gracious, merciful, reconciling, forgiving father. But this son, forget about planning the party, he wouldn't even go in to the party. You can see the picture that Jesus is painting here. The younger brother, in rebellion, runs off to a faraway country. This son here comes in from a faraway field. Working for his father, but definitely has no love for his father. Both of them lost. Henry Nowen, in his book on the prodigal son says this, the older brother had done everything exteriorly a good son is supposed to do, but interiorly he had wandered away from his father. On the outside he looked good, inside he was totally lost. Both were lost, but only one responds to the love, the call, the grace, the forgiveness of the father. I mean, all of the joy of this story of that the prodigal coming home, it all comes to this horrible screeching stop at the older brother's anger. We could think, what is up with this older brother? Why is he such a jerk? Why why can't he just celebrate? But the question again, what are we asking this morning? What about me? Do you see the older brother's anger in your heart? Are there those family functions where you show up and you recognize that so and so's there? You're like, I don't think I want to go to this family function. You'll choose a different church, or, or even here in our church, you'll choose a different service. If so and so is going to the early service, I'm going to the late service when the name of that person is mentioned or even comes in to your head, your heart begins to turn towards bitterness and hardness and coldness and anger and your mind rushes to all the things that they've done and you think they've sinned too much. That's it. I'm not forgiving them anymore. Do you see where the older brother's heart is in your heart? It shows up as bitterness. It shows up as... Anger, it shows up as unforgiveness. Even when somebody is in a place of humble repentance, it shows up in judgment. You have this person moving towards Christ, humbly repenting, not perfect, but moving towards Christ, and others around them celebrating the grace of God, celebrating the work of Christ in their life, and you're still stuck outside. You're still out in the field. Oh yeah, you're thanking God for His grace in your life while holding that person hostage to their sin. Listen, this morning you can let go of that anger and begin to celebrate with the Father, the Father that's inviting you, is saying, "Come on in, come on in. Leave, leave, leave the cold outside, dark field of anger. Come, come into the party of grace." In fact, in verse 27, when that servant tells the older brother what's happened, he says that the younger brother comes back safe and sound. Now, that, 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 that word safe and sound, where it's translated from the original Greek, it's actually a word that's related to the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom, which means peace, which means wholeness. He says that the, the little brother was broken, was, was disrupted, was, was in, in all this sin and trouble and brokenness and shame, but now he's been brought back to shalom, to peace, to wholeness. And the father's calling the angry brother to the same thing. You can leave the brokenness of anger. You can leave behind the, the poison of bitterness and experience shalom. Peace, wholeness, a restored heart that happens when you come back to the Father. So so here this morning, let's not hang out outside. Let's not hang out outside of grace. Let's not hang out in in religion and thinking, that's all I really need is just this religion. No, you're invited into the party of grace to experience shalom, to experience wholeness, to experience peace. That's not just anger that's revealed. The the son reveals his heart a little more. Look, Look at verse 29. His father's pleading with him. It says, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. His heart's being revealed again. He, his dad says, come on inside. And he goes, look. Now, if you're here last Sunday, I had that little sign that says, gasp. This would be one of those times I'd hold it up Again. The son turns, doesn't even call him father. Remember when the, when the younger brother came, and he says, father, against you I've sinned. This older brother doesn't, he goes, look. Yeah. yeah, there you go, thanks. Without a sign, he even busted it up. That was good. He begins to reveal his heart. So not only a heart of anger, he also reveals a heart of arrogance. It's his heart of arrogance. And, and you, you, you see what he says after he says, Look. He starts to list out some stuff and he starts to refer to himself. He loves himself more than anybody else. It's all about himself. And and if he has to sacrifice any of himself for anyone or anything, if if he has to sacrifice his time, if he has to sacrifice his talents or his treasure, if he has to sacrifice with humility and forgiveness, he's got no time for that. Five times in this verse, he uses personal pronouns. I, I, me, I, my. He just believes he's, he's entitled to everything. And he's mad because he actually wants the same thing his brother wanted. Remember his brother said, just give me your stuff. He's all ticked off because that's exactly what he wants. You're throwing this party for, for, for little rebellious boy over here? Man, I, I've, I've wanted parties. His heart... He wanted the same things. In his heart, he, he believed he deserved them all. Dad, I worked hard for this. Dad, I slaved for you. I deserve this. Now remember who's listening here. You've got the sinners and the busted up people. Right? But there's also the Pharisees that are listening. It's the whole point of the stories he's telling. He's really talking to these Pharisees. And, and listen, if you're a Pharisee in the crowd, I can imagine at this point where Jesus says, this son says, look. I think the Pharisees are thinking, it's about time. Here's this loser of a dad who isn't doing the right thing. He isn't punishing that, that young punk who's brought shame on his family. Finally, someone speaking truth in the midst of this shameful family. I can, as a Pharisee, you're sitting there going, I love this guy. This is my guy. This is, the, finally, the, the hero has arrived. The person, the, someone's speaking truth finally. Because I can imagine Jesus telling the story of the prodigal and you're a Pharisee listening and you're talking with this prodigal coming back and you're hoping he's about to get it and he doesn't. In fact, so much the other way, a party gets thrown for him. And if you're a Pharisee, you're like, this story is so stupid. I'm a... Forget this. This is the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. And you're walking away, he goes, but another son comes and says, this is dumb. And you're like, yeah, yeah, totally. Wait, go on, Jesus. What's this guy saying? This guy refused to go to the party? For sure he did. And we know as we read the story that the younger brother represents the sinners that are listening. Jesus is the father. This older brother, that's them. That's the Pharisees. These are guys who Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you hypocrites who shut off heaven. That's the older brother. He, he, he's the guy who doesn't want any part of this family. He's the guy who wants to say to that younger brother, says, I want to come back. I want to be healed. I want the shalom. I want to be in this family. And Jesus is saying, you're the hypocrite who shut heaven's door and say, no, nope, you're not coming. He goes on in Matthew 23. He says, you're like dishes that are clean on the outside, but inside you're filthy. Like that cooler that you left in the garage and it looks really nice on the outside, but you forgot there was fish in it, right? You've had that, <laughs> yep, right? And then you're like, oh, this beautiful cooler, you open it, oh, and you're about to throw up. From that, that's what he's saying. That's who these Pharisees are. So arrogant about these outward acts of religion while inside their hearts are rotting. The older brother did everything right on the outside while he hated his father on the inside. Jesus goes on in in Matthew when he's talking about these Pharisees, he says, You blind hypocrites. You're you're so arrogant, you can't even see it. You're not just dishes that are dirty, you're like tombstones. You're like these manicured graveyards that look so pretty with the flowers and the marble headstones, while, while underneath it's just dead bones. You're dead inside. He goes on in that same chapter in Matthew. He says, you who would say, and the Pharisees would say this, that that if we wouldn't be like our forefathers who sinned before, we never would have done that. We wouldn't have sinned like they did in Egypt. We wouldn't have sinned like they did in the wilderness. And Jesus says, you're so arrogant that you would think that. That you'd be the one who would would look at the person in church whose marriage is falling apart. You'd say, I would never let that happen in my marriage. You look at that person who stumbles into addictions. and go, I can't believe they would do that. That would never be me. And you stand outside looking in on those weeping at the feet of Jesus and you shake your head in disgust. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus calls the Pharisees snakes. In this final parable, you see who the snake is in this story. This older brother was stored up venom that comes out on the father. And Jesus asked the Pharisees in Matthew when he's saying, you hypocrites, you blind leaders, he says this, who's gonna get you guys out of hell? They're so arrogant, they're like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean get us out of hell? Obviously, we are if anybody's out of hell, it's us. If anybody's in heaven, it's us. I did all this stuff. Man, I'm, I'm so good. I've done so many good works. I serve in like all of the ministries that were represented. You know, that, that, that read your Bible in a year plan? Yeah, one week, done it. When Pastor Kai says, hey, there are people with Bibles, If you forgot your Bible or didn't bring a Bible? I never forget my Bible. And if you see that I have forgotten, and I didn't, it's just I memorized the passage he was preaching on. I don't even need my Bible this morning, right? And they're thinking if these losers, these sinners, these outcasts, these people who struggle, if they're in heaven, obviously I am. And you begin to push away grace, not lost because of your obvious outward sin, but so lost, why? Lost because of your good works. Lost because of good things you put in the front to say, this is why I'm good with God. So so what happens is when you you have this little brother living in your heart, you're constantly whipping out your spiritual resume for others to see or or just for yourself to see, to go, no, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Every sermon you hear is a great sermon for somebody else. Right? I, I think about this, if you're sitting here going, man, this is a great sermon about Pharisees. I know someone needs to hear it. It's you! right? You'd never come forward after a service for prayer because you wouldn't need it. You, you would never come forward even if, you, do knew, if you, you knew that you needed it because you wouldn't want anybody else to see that you would need it. And you, you, you begin to see that I, I don't serve out of love for Jesus, man. I'm just serving out of duty. And, and when things don't work out for me, when, when God doesn't answer my prayer the way I want him to answer it, I turn to God and I say, look, I've done all these things and this is how you pay me. And you begin to excuse your bitterness and your anger and your coldness because of the circumstances around you. The older brother says, man, I never got a goat. He gets a calf. How come he gets a party and I get nothing? I'm a better person. I deserve this. It's the sign of a brother, the older brother lostness. In his arrogance, always looking around, always saying, man, other people have a better life than me. How come all these people are getting, man, they don't deserve it as much as I do. God owes me. It's arrogance. It's self-righteousness in my heart. When I see that, that's when I go, that's the older brother lostness. And Jesus, he's revealing the shocking truth that our good works can blind us. Our good works, when put out in front saying, this is what makes me right, can make us even more blind and more lost to God because we miss grace and mercy and the gospel. We drop the arrogance when, like the younger brother, we say, I set my heart on things that could never satisfy. I'm coming back to the Father. When your life falls apart, where you say, you know what, my heart wasn't set on that stuff anyway. Only God can satisfy my heart, only God can bear the weight of my soul. A perfect family doesn't bear the weight. A perfect kid doesn't bear the weight. A perfect life doesn't bear the weight. None of those are going to bring me the ultimate peace and joy and hope. I need the Father. How how do we move away from that older brother tendency? It's when we, we say, I'm not valued by God because I'm good, I'm valued because of Jesus' goodness. I'm invited to this party of grace because I just humbly look, I've got nothing to offer. Except to lay myself down at the feet of Christ and to trust my life to his perfect life, to his death in my place, to his resurrection that gives me new life. Lastly and quickly, his heart is revealed one last time in verse 30. Look at verse 30. I did all these things. But when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he says, this son of yours, what's he doing there? He's saying he's not even part of the family. The, the, the last, there's anger shows the older brother. Arrogance shows the older brother. Lastly, apathy. Apathy. He's like, I, I don't even care about this guy anymore. He's not even in the family anymore. He, he's, he's done with. I'm abandoning that guy. So when your heart begins to not care anymore, you see nowhere in this story where the older brother ever jumped in to say, bro, 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 don't don't ask dad for your inheritance. Don't leave, you're making a horrible mistake. He's just out in the fields working. He's doing his religious duty. He, He doesn't look for his brother. He doesn't even notice that his brother came back. Listen, when somebody in your small group begins to drift towards sin, do you notice? Do you lovingly come alongside? When somebody isn't around church and you haven't seen them for a long time, do you go, man, I just gotta give them a call and see how they're doing? When, when someone is running lost, running away from Christ, do you pursue them? When, when your spouse is distant, do you, do you pursue your spouse? When, when, your, when your kid is hurting and broken and starting to pull away, do you pursue them? You're not pursuing them as a Pharisee or a judge but you're coming alongside as an advocate saying I wanna point you back to Jesus Christ and and I don't have it all figured out but I know who does and it's Jesus. I'm not stepping in as the one with all the answers but I know who does have the answers. Let me point you back to him and, and you step in with this picture of all of us are just beggars pointing other beggars where there's bread. But so often we can be apathetic we can just hang out in the field. We can abandon the mission that we're called to. To go after the lost, to go after the broken. But instead, we, we stay back in apathy. We don't serve. We don't enter into community. We, we don't open our lives up to anyone. We say, small groups, man, I'm not doing that small group thing. And even if I did, there's no way I'm sharing my heart there. I'm, I'm closing myself off and apathetic to the call of the mission of Jesus Christ. All of that, all of that, when when we find our hearts in that place of apathy, not involved, not engaged, not open, not pursuing, not caring, listen, it just shows how much we don't understand grace. We need to come from the outside and enter into the party of grace to to be the ones inviting others into that party, to to pursuing the lost and the broken, to, to being the ones who sacrificially forgive, who give our time and our talents and our treasure. who who sacrifice even our own reputation and our own hearts and and knowing why we do that because we know I can put my heart out there because I know that God the Father has totally forgiven and accepted me. He's told me who I am. He's given me my identity and my security. So I don't need to hang out in these boring, cold little Christian huddles any longer, but I can open my life up to those around me. I can join with those around me on the mission together for the gospel. But that only happens when you embrace the good news of Jesus Christ. When when you see that your acceptance into the party had nothing to do with what you did, but it's all God's grace. When you you keep yourself under that gospel, under that truth, that, that, that you continually then remember that I'm the broken lost one. I'm the messed up sinful one who God came and said, I choose you. I want you for my son. I want you for my daughter. It takes care of the anger. It takes care of the arrogance. It takes care of the apathy. And you enter into the party of grace and you want nothing more than for others to be able to do the same. You no longer serve out of duty. The the son said, the older son said to the father, I've slaved for you all these years. He didn't love his dad. He didn't see the value of the work of serving. He didn't delight in the Father. He didn't understand the gospel. Listen, when you see Jesus who died for you, who loves you unconditionally, you begin to love Jesus. And you see the work has something so good to do because of your love. <clears throat> Both brothers are lost. And some are, are lost and it's pretty obvious. It's outward and everybody can see it and maybe that's you this morning. You're like, man, I'm, I'm more that younger brother or, or maybe you know people like that and, and everyone can see the lifestyle. Everyone can see the pig slop all over the person. But there's also another kind of lostness that's more hidden. An angry heart, an arrogant heart, an apathetic or cold heart, a heart bored by the things of the Lord. It's eventually seen, but we do everything we can to to hide it so well. And listen, the father's pursuing both. Verse 31. And he said to him, the father says to this older son, he says, Son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this, your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Jesus is saying, I'm pursuing both. And, and he does this cool thing here. He, he, he purposely chooses his word so well. And it's such a cool thing. It's almost like he's God or something, how smart he is. He says, this brother of yours. He's saying to the Pharisees, who are like the older brother, he's saying, hey, you stand up there and say, I'm nothing like these sinners here. And Jesus says, no, no, you're all the same. You need grace and mercy just as much as them. That when when you come to Christ, when you come to the cross, the ground is level. Those coming in brokenness and shame are lifted up at the cross. And listen, the proud and the arrogant and the apathetic are brought low before the cross when you truly understand the gospel, the good news of of your sin, the the amount and and the, the offense of your sin and the unbelievable grace and love of God, you're broken before the cross. Your shame is taken care of and you lift yourself up into a new name and a new identity. But if you come broken and proud over what you bring to the cross, you are humbled. The Father says, listen, you have all this. You you know all this. To the Pharisees, you know the word. You guys memorize this. You should know this better than anybody else. You've been in church the longest. You know all the songs more. You know all these stories, but you just won't come into the party of grace. You won't come in through the door. Jesus says in John 10, I'm the door. Anyone who wants to see the Father enters through me. So if you want healing and hope and restoration and forgiveness, you enter through the cross of Christ alone, not through good works, not through good thoughts you enter into the door of Christ now here's the thing about the door of Christ as we close the door of Christ is a very low door the way in is humility the way in is you lower yourself and you say i'm lost i'm broken i have nothing of myself to save myself i need you jesus i need your grace i need your mercy i need your forgiveness The place where you say, no more is this sermon for somebody else. But, but you recognize that, uh, your lostness in sin and darkness. And you cry out, man, this is me. I'm the older brother. God, I need your mercy. I need to be saved from myself. In verse 32... He says, son, you're always with me. Verse thirty-two. It says it was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead; he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. As the worst team comes up, you you kind of notice that the story doesn't really end well. I don't know about you, but I'm like Jesus. You didn't wrap that up so great. Like she's like, and so he said this to the older son, and he walks away. And you're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like if this is a Disney movie, the, the older someone would go, you're so right, dad. <laughs> they'd hug and they'd go in, right? There's no ending. He just kind of, that's it. And I can imagine maybe you're a Pharisee and you're listening and you go, wait, 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 wait. How's it end? Like, 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 like did Luke just run out of ink? Like, like is it, did Matthew, did he finish this? Did, did Mark or John, did anybody finish the story and Jesus says, no, no. He says, You finish the story. You finish it. He says to the Pharisee, You're the older brother. You finish the story. How's it going to end? Now we know that the Pharisees did finish the story of the prodigal son. They called out, Crucify him. The, the older brother killed the father. So for you today, how, how's the story end? Jesus is saying, you get to write the ending of the story. If you're an older brother, if, if you have an older brother in your heart, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you can end this story differently. What will you do this morning? If, if you're running from God like the younger brother, running away towards anything but the Lord, towards sin, and, and how's your story gonna end? If you're like the older brother and you're running from God towards self-righteousness and religion and I can take care of this on my own, how's your story gonna end? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your grace. Father, I pray this morning if there's any here who, Lord, your, your spirit's been at work and pressing in on, on their heart about where there's an older brother residing, God, I pray that it's your grace that would bring life, that as we look and see you, Lord Jesus, you, you who gave everything for us, every blessing we have coming from you, that you would begin to change our hearts that our hearts would enter into the party of grace, that we would sing about your grace, that we would celebrate your grace, that we would recognize that, that although we are, are sinful and broken and lost, that your love is greater and that as we humble ourselves before you, Lord Jesus, you who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, who died a death that we should die because of our sin and be separated from God forever, but instead, Christ, you took that penalty so that now, today, we could be made new. Whether our heart is rebellious like the younger brother or our heart is cold like the older brother. Lord God, that your grace can change us this morning. God, may it be so. May we celebrate. May there be a party of grace in here this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Stand with me as we sing one more song.